sitting here in my own house, minding my own business. Where you been? I don't think you can. I've been having a hell of a time. Hi guys, this is High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker, and I am joined by Amber Petty today. Hi, Amber. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming over and doing this. Uh, we are deep in se- into September now, so the, the heat's not yeah. quite as bad, but... It's not quite as bad. As soon as September rolled around, it was the hottest it had been all year, which pissed me off of immediately. Of course, it happens every year in LA. Uh, it happens every year. I get mad every year. That's my own fault. I should adjust. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, not a hellscape. So. No, not today. I realize as I've sa- I'm sa- saying this, I this is literally like, like my icebreaker every week on this <laughs> show is the weather, which I'm like, maybe I need to uh, dig a little deeper, but it's just well, it's always on my mind. True. It's always on your mind because it's it's uh, usually making you unhappy. You meaning me. No, totally. Uh, so, so you just can't avoid it. And I'm one of those people and I like I like like nice weather, but summer in L.A. is it gets it gets a lot for me. Yeah, I'm a person that would. I went to Edinburgh one year, and oh, yeah. uh, in in the whole summer, or sorry, in August, the whole month, I could. There was only one day where, where it was too hot to wear a sweatshirt, so you could wear a sweatshirt every day in the summertime, and that was my ideal world. You like okay, see that would be too much for me. <laughs> That's like, too much for most people. Yeah, I think because uh, I went to Edinburgh one year just because John was um, doing a show there, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's like it's cloudy all the time. It reminds me like I grew up in San Francisco. It sort of reminds me of that, but even cooler. Yeah. And I, yeah, I need some, I don't know, some middle ground between Edinburgh and LA. I think that's very fair. Um, But this is my own fault because I'm wearing like a long sleeve shirt and jeans. (laughs) I could have worn shorts, but, you know, it is like mental. You're just like, this is supposed to be diving into fall. Yeah. I should be wearing more clothes and then I do, but it's not supported by, um, reality and i do feel like as a man your shorts options are just a lot more limiting i mean shorts are tough i think on everybody fit wise and comfort wise in my opinion but just like for guys i don't know i feel like it's hard to find shorts that look that just like look appealing to you appropriate for like a business casual setting or like and some people like look great and other people like my husband never wears shorts and it's a good choice because it just doesn't work it just somehow does not compute yeah I've always been a shorts wearer I don't know if they look good on me or not I just I go more by comfort but that's what you should do of course it's it's funny uh when we were growing up I feel like the the prevailing style for for men specifically was very like long very baggy shorts yeah and now it's gone around to like definitely above the knee and even like a little higher yeah and I don't mind it but it's it's just you know, something I have to get used to, uh, yeah, showing and, off my legs well, a little bit. Well, and it's not that comfortable. Like, the secret of shorts is that usually they are some of the least comfortable things you can wear. Yeah. they ride up or don't fit right. And with women's shorts, you pretty oh, much have, God. like, it just barely covers your ass or you look like a park ranger. And yeah. there's, like, nothing in between. So, uh... Because, like, yeah. a, yeah, high-waisted, long women's short is... 
Yeah, and, and you want to wear that for comfort, that is great. And please, by all means, do, because it's a thousand times more comfortable. But it isn't my most favorite look on myself. No, no, That's no. Uh, yeah, well, I guess I'll stick to, these are very, my jeans, no one can see them, but they're like the real relax cut, like uh-huh. Target. I think they're Levi's, but it's like, it's not 501, it's like 585 or something. <laughs> uh, but you know what? They're comfortable. I enjoy them. And I think the baggy look is sort of coming back. Yeah, you're not wearing like Jankos. No, no, no. You know, I feel like you're acting a little bit like you are stepping into a corn music video. Yeah. You're definitely <laughs> not. Those look like very normal, normal Ugh, jeans. I never could get away with with corn shirts. Nobody shorts. did. <laughs> <laughs> the secret was no one did. Um. So as summer turns to fall uh the tv season and the movie season actually like award season is starting uh are you watch are you like are you watching any good movies or are you do you like care about oscars and awards and all that stuff i love hearing about it Mm. and i don't i don't care that much who wins and and i'm less excited about the ceremonies kind of as each year goes by oh yeah but i still like hearing about it and i like all the buzz around things for sure Uh, i'm just super into that and then half the time I end up watching very few of the movies, often because they are, um, they're just like depressing in a way that I don't wish to experience. Yeah, it's a lot of heavy subject matter. I, I've been very obsessive. I have always loved like following award season mm-hmm. and Oscars and stuff. But the last couple of years, I've been very obsessive about trying to watch every single movie nominated for an award. Yeah. Uh, and I've done that. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's something to brag about or not. It's probably my own weird mind. But um, but yeah, I am very excited for Waves, which is coming out soon. The Trey Edward Schultz movie. Right. He did Cresha and It Comes at Night, and this is supposed to be like a good family drama. Um, the new Noah Baumbach. Yeah, that one. Uh, well, so because some some of my qualms with Oscar movies are that they're they're like schmaltzy and depressing at the same time. For sure. So they are dealing with depressing issues, and yet they are dealt with in a way that is so unrealistic, or then not even accurate to the time period, really. No. Or you know, it's a biopic where half of it didn't happen. Super like sentimental. Yeah, sentimental exactly. Yeah. That I don't like. Now the Noah Baumbach movie sounds like it's actually a very good movie. That also sounds like. Why would I want to watch that? Only because it's about just the kind of like realistic divorce thing. Totally. Sometimes just feels like, I need to get over this. It's not a smart way to live my life. Uh, no, but I get, I mean, are you, would you watch it with your husband or would you want to I'm watch sure, it? Sure, because it's your... not about, it actually isn't about my husband at all. It's okay. about my parents. Oh, got it, like got it. Thinking about divorce again, you know, yeah, that yeah, yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so that, and then kid, you know, and, and it's like the children and how they're dealing with yeah. it. So, um, I might watch it cause I've heard it's really good. And it's like, again, it's a dumb choice of me not to No, I get like, <laughs> that's not, a, again, not a smart way to be. There, that's I, how I feel sometimes. Yeah. Certain subject matters. I know. I feel like I'm, I'm usually able to separate the, like the tragedy of a fictional thing from. Unless it's like very specifically relates to my life. Yeah. Uh, I can make myself sort of not go there, but I get yeah. there's a, yeah, a lot of people that um, probably have a deeper understanding of their own psyche and, and have things um, soak in more than for me. Well, lately also just because there's so much more stuff 
I've just been like, you know, I don't actually need to watch everything that everyone tells me to watch. No, I mean, there's too That's the thing. There's too much. So you have to pick and choose anyway. So some of it is some stuff I, I am like, oh, I might not feel good after watching that. And other things are just like, oh, I'd rather I'd rather read or be on Instagram, uh-huh. you know, honestly. Uh, but that's but that one I'm on the fence with. I yeah, think yeah, I yeah. probably will see that. And it does sound like it's very good. Yeah, and I bet it's going to be one of those, because it's also a Netflix movie, so it's going right. to be one of those that will just break through, and I think a lot of people will be talking about it. Yeah. Uh, there's a new Adam Sandler movie that's Oh, seems, yeah, the Softy uh, Brothers. Exciting. Yeah. So I hope that's good. I really am excited to see that, because that was um, the guys who did Good Time with right, Robert Pattinson. I Pattons. haven't seen, but I've heard is really good, and I do want to watch that. It's just relentless. It's like yeah. one of those sort of 70s thriller where, the like, Something has to happen and the the guy, it's right. just like a, a quest, but it just keeps ramping up the tension. Mm-hmm. And I heard this new one does that too. And I, yeah. I mean, Adam Sandler obviously has done a ton of terrible movies, but I love watching him like pretty much in anything. I like watching him most of the time. I think he is good in a lot of stuff. I think occasionally, uh, sometimes I'm mad. Oh, what was the movie? It was the one where they had to battle video game characters. That was the one that actively made me mad. I don't even remember that. Yeah, it's they these like video ca- game characters like come to Earth as like aliens, and then Adam Sandler and and J- Josh Gad. Oh Jesus have Christ! Have to fight them because they were like video game champions in the eighties, okay. and now it's today. But it's just, I mean, he. It's the laziest performance of all time, and the movie is. I usually don't get mad at Adam Sandler mm. movies. I'm just like. You find found a way to make a ton of money and hang out with your friends. Yeah. Like fine. And some and there's always something weird about even the worst ones, which are at least interesting. But that one, and it's just like there's a joke about, oh, if I win, I want like Serena Williams and Martha Stewart to like make me a sandwich. That's like one of their dreams. And then that literally happens at the end. And Josh Gad gets this video game character hot girl that turns into a real girl. As they're, I mean, like the women are literally their rewards. That sounds so horrible. Was this it's, a Netflix movie no, or a, this no, is in that the theater? No, was a real movie. It was in theaters. It was before his Netflix okay. deal started. I'm sorry that I can't remember. No, I it boggles my mind because I feel like I usually have at least heard of every movie or like most movies, and this one just seems yeah. I, yeah, I saw it with a couple of friends because we'd see them purposely knowing they'd be yeah. stupid, and then the only laugh I got was when my friend just played a cricket sound effect on his phone at a certain point at a at a perfect point of no laughter. I I love and a cricket sound great. effect. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching the um, Drag Race Thailand oh. uh, is all on like YouTube oh, with with English subtitles, so you can watch it. The, the episodes are I guess they're no longer than the epi- the the American episodes, but they seem very long, <laughs> yeah. and the the challenges. They like show every part of like the main challenge, the runway, and it, uh-huh. it's like edited very differently from the American oh. version. But they use that cricket sound effect so <laughs> often because like there's no context. Because a lot of the the humor is like a Thai, yeah, I don't know Thai humor that we might not understand if or it something might be lands or not mistranslated in an idiom way or something exactly. Like that, and yeah. so they make sure that you know exactly <laughs> every time something is funny and every time not it's not funny. funny. I love That's it. That's great. Uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend that. Um, are you watching any good TV lately? Uh, let's see. I'm watching Succession. Oh my God. I'm not watching as much stuff right now. I, yeah, I was watching repeats of Drag Race uh-huh. from old seasons. Oh yeah, because the first like five are on Netflix now? Yeah, I think so. Or Amazon, and I've never seen the first season. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so that was fun to watch. And yeah, watching Succession. And gosh, I think that's about it for right 
now yeah. of new stuff. Succession, Succession is it's one. It's rare that a show sort of captivates the public imagination in a way that, mm-hmm. like, I mean, Game of Thrones obviously is, have, has done that in recent years. But I think because HBO releases things like on Sunday still, like once a week, yeah. it gives people the opportunity to like to like uh, commiserate about the the latest episode. Yeah, it's so interesting because I do uh, miss that sometimes, you know, from other stuff. And I think that's good that HBO is doing it. But then this season of Great British Bake Off, mm. and I'll always call it Great British Bake Off because that's the name. Yeah. It's not the Great British Baking Show. And Pillsbury. And that's that's right Pillsbury's saying we own uh, the yeah, copyright. Pillsbury okay. owns the copyright to the term Bake Off. Ugh. Um, so, but now they're airing them just one week at a time. Yeah. And I don't like it at all. I'm like, I need this when I, at my just complete disposal. It, it is needs to be on my time. <laughs> weird. Cause I'm usually, yeah, I'm usually like that. Like I would prefer one a week for, for like scripted shows. Yeah. And I think Netflix is going to start like doing that more because yeah. they realize that this is how you sort of build an audience and it becomes like a talking point. But yeah, for, for Bake Off, it's like you just want to fucking binge it or watch. It's weird. Yeah, or like watch two and then wait a yeah, month yeah, yeah. and watch another two. And then, yeah, it, for some reason, it it makes me a little bit mad that I can't have all the Bake Off. It's like Friday night you can watch one and then you you sort of and forget that it's on. Feel, and it's it doesn't resonate with you throughout the week no. the same way that like a Game of Thrones or a Succession. No, absolutely not. You know, you're not just like, oh, my God, that signature. Um so then when you get back into it, it's, you know, it just doesn't feel the same. And that's how everybody in England has been watching it the whole time. Yeah. Week, are they doing that? Are they airing it concurrently? Yes, with oh, so the first time. That, I, I like that because uh, there were so many spoilers beforehand. Yeah, like especially it was, like in Downton Abbey like oh, in yeah, particular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but even for, yeah, the Bake Off. And, but I'm kind of like, how about you just air it in England and then the, the day it's over, you air them. All on Netflix. Totally, especially the beginning of the seasons when there's so many people yeah. and I like the I, the casting for Great British Bake Off. It does seem like every season there are these people that slot into the same sort of sure. roles every. So I I sometimes get confused as to like which person is which with which season and oh, like yeah. what's going on. I mean, for a show that I like a lot because I started watching that show years before it was ever on Netflix. Oh, I me too. Yeah. Liked it. And, but I, I could maybe, nope, I can't tell you one name of a single person. I don't remember their names. I'll remember faces. (laughs) I remember the great happiness I had watching it. But yeah, from week to week to week (laughs) in the beginning. Oh, no, no, no. I just like Scottish one, Irish one, cool accent. That accent sounds too American-ish. Yeah, there's usually like one guy that you're like, I think he's hot, but then eh, I don't know. <laughs> this season yeah. has a few of those. Uh, like, are you you're caught up? Um, no, I've only watched the first okay. one. There's uh, the like the like blonde Twinkie twin guy. Right. I, right, I still right. I can't decide if I think he's hot or completely disgusting. <laughs> only time will yeah. tell in the bake off. Now we gotta wait. Normally, you'd be able to decide in a couple. I know, hours but now it's like I can't. I don't have to think about this thinking. guy for another week. You've got your little chart, hot, <laughs> empty. Those are the only two choices. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's move on to our main subject today. Okay. We are talking about will success spoil Rock Hunter? 
Uh, directed by, oh my God, I did not Frank write. Frank Tashlin. Thank you, thank you. Frank and Tashlin. written by him as well. And based I- on a play by George Axelrod. Yes. Starring Tony Randall and Jane Mansfield. So I sent you a list of 400 movies. Um, yes. This was one of the ones that you want to talk about. What What about this movie? Because you said you'd never seen it before. Never seen this. Uh, I don't. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, yeah. So what made you want to talk about it? Um, as I was looking through the list, I wanted to pick something I hadn't seen because that was most of the movies. So that made it a lot easier in a lot of ways. Um, and I'd never seen a Jane Mansfield movie. Um, I've never seen any of her movies. Yeah, me neither. I don't think so. That was interesting to me. And then also I just read a little bit about how it's a, you know, satire of, of TV and movies. And I sometimes like watching those because they are, uh, oftentimes these older ones can be totally spot on for today. Yeah. Um, and this one was kind of like, it wasn't like irrelevant and it wasn't like, uh, you got it totally wrong, but it wasn't the same as like, oh. I'll just remember the name of no movies today. Um, <laughs> but the movie with um, Andy Griffith where he's a speaker and he gets oh, yeah. a bunch of publicity and like becomes like a political figure. I know. I can't think a of the name of that movie. Crowd, voice, yes. That, well, that's a very dark movie. Very, that's a very dark yeah. It's not a comedy. But that's a movie where it's like, well, that literally just happened. Totally. Um, that, I, I watched that for the first time like last year or something. And yeah. it's scary. Like that one and Network are the two that I'm like, yeah. oh, these are, these are fucking prescient. <gasps> Yes. Uh, but yeah, this is a lot lighter. I, oh, it's just kind of silly. I do think for, I don't know, a 60-year-old comedy, it like holds up relatively well. It holds up pretty well. I think there were, I mean, there were some lines I thought were really funny. Um, there, overall, I mean, yeah, there's, because Frank Tashlin also did a bunch of Jerry Lewis movies. Okay. And that's just like not my cup of tea. So those don't hold up at all. They are kind of violently unfunny to me. And this one, it kind of loses steam, I feel like, but it does have some like legitimately humorous moments and it was a little bit less sexist than I thought it would be. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, because it was Jane Mansfield, so you know it's going to be mostly discussion of boobs. Yeah, jokes about her body. Which it was. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't quite as, I just wasn't quite as gross as it could have been. No. Yeah, she, I mean... She has like some agency and she's not like a dumb character. Yeah, that was one of the things of like it's kind of half and half because right at first you hear you see her speaking, you know, for like uh, the cameras um, for, you know, paparazzi. And then she talks to like her secretary and she's kind of different. But then she'd sort of go then the rest of the movie back and forth between being just like dumb privately and sometimes smart privately, and then always, of course, dumb on camera. Yeah, I felt like it ramped, uh, like you said, uh, she got a little more cartoonish as the movie went on. She does that squeal yeah, thing. That and was tough. It's like funny the first time, sort of, but it was like she did it, or the director saw her do it and said, yes, that's do that every yeah, scene. Yeah, because she does this like, ah, yeah. squeal that I will not do again. I hope I was far enough away from <laughs> the microphone. Um, but does it a lot, and I'm just like, I know what that's referencing, but still I feel like a lot of the things were like, ooh, or like just little things. And she would literally like have the squeal be so long. It sound like a strangled seal or something. And it's just, I mean, it's just a tone that I don't appreciate for my ears. Why are you shaming women's voices? I know. It's <laughs> tough. But women's voices are uh, worse. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to make I clear. I think we can agree on that. Women's voices are worse and stupid. 
because her performance, I mean, she's, she's funny and, but it is like very mannered and it's such, obviously her whole career was a play on not really, not on Marilyn Monroe, the actress, but sort of like she would play Marilyn Monroe characters. Yeah. There's like a meta-ness to basically her whole career. Yeah. And yeah, I was kind of mixed about her performance. Um, and then should we talk about the plot at all or yeah, let's, I mean, well, let's, like it's yeah, there's not much, but let's talk about, um, we'll talk, let's talk about Jane Mansfield and then we can talk about Tony Randall and then, oh, and then sure. go into the plot a little bit. But like, uh, yeah. So Jane Mansfield had done the girl can't help it. Yeah. Which I haven't seen. No, me neither. Um, and she was like a theater person. And I think when Marilyn Monroe became a huge star, every studio sort of wanted to hire their own version of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And she did play this role in the Broadway version of uh, of the movie. Got it. Okay. And she and she did do other Broadway stuff. And I guess she also played the violin. Wow. Yeah. So she's like obviously a talented person yeah. who, uh, and again, I don't want to like talk about women's faces. She's like an interesting face. Uh, yeah. she's not the, a, like a classic beauty. She has sort of, um, a, a really wide mouth. She sort of yeah. reminded me of, I mean, I know Michelle Williams played Marilyn Monroe, but she oh. doesn't have the same body type as Michelle Williams, yeah. but her, her mouth, for some reason, it reminded me of something that Michelle Williams would do. I could see, I think part of it too, is just because she's, I mean, in this movie, like purposely stylized more for Marilyn Monroe than others, but she's often so stylized to kind of look like Marilyn Monroe that then you can't help but notice the differences that she's not, you know? No, yeah, she has a very different uh, voice. Very um, different voice. I mean, very, a different face. She just had big, much bigger boobs than Marilyn Monroe yeah. from what I could tell in the film. And um, bleach blonde hair. Yeah, you know, she, that's kind of it. Totally, because she then, doesn't have the like the vulnerability, yeah, or sort of the coyness of Marilyn Monroe. She's all sort of big, brassy, um, flirty, and more of a straight. Con- she almost reminded me more of like Mae West than a Marilyn yeah, Monroe. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was kind of like between a Mae West and a Marilyn yeah, Monroe, yeah, yeah, yeah. right in the middle. And I wish I could see because I think this is a definitely more purposely heightened performance. Um, so I would be interesting to see the girl can't help it and some of her other stuff. To just see yeah. what it's like in something that's still a comedy, but less. This is a very stylized film. Totally. And such a product of, I think, that like late 50s moment where you had the sort of classic 50s bombshell beauty uh, up against this new sort of rock and roll attitude that was like so new at the time. Yeah. And very much part of like teen culture, which they talk about right. too. And I think Jane Mansfield sort of like bridges that gap almost better than Marilyn Monroe because she there's like um there's like a little bit of rock and roll to her I think yeah I think so yeah uh so yeah she I mean people probably know this but like she um had a short career she's the the mother of uh Mariska Hargitay who's on SVU the her husband Mickey Hargitay has a very small part in this movie as like a Tarzan and then the other thing that like people know about Jane Mansfield is she died in a horrible car crash yeah And there was like an urban legend going around for years that she got decapitated, which is not true. It was like her wig fell off. But that's like a gruesome sort of Hollywood tidbit that I think before I knew anything about Jane Mansfield, I knew about that. Me too. I think my dad, like my dad would, I swear to God, tell me 
stories when I was a kid of just like horrible Hollywood deaths. Oh, my dad would tell horrible <laughs> stories all the time. He was, I mean, like, he's ahead of his time in some ways because he was into true crime Oh, forever. cool, yeah. And so he'd like talk about serial killers. There was one Thanksgiving where just in the middle of the dinner, he's like, oh, yeah, in Mexico, they uh, they like pulled over this person with a baby. And then, oh, they found out the baby was kidnapped and dead and had drugs stuffed inside it. And we're like, great. Cool. Pass the cranberry <laughs> sauce. That is apropos of nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if I had kids, I would do that, too, because like, what am I? I'm not going to talk about their shit. I'll talk about my weird, dark shit that I'm into. Uh, but yeah, like it is, it's sort of a shame. I mean, like any of like Natalie Wood, like any of these people, it's like a shame that their, their death sort of, or Sharon Tate is obviously probably like the yeah, biggest example. The biggest one, yeah. Um, but like their death overshadows their career, but I guess that's what happens in Hollywood, baby. <laughs> uh, and then Tony Randall, I, again, like I, she, he, cause I never saw the, the odd couple TV show. I don't think, or I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but mm-hmm. it was like, like he, what do you think about him? It's interesting. I liked. I've seen a like decent amount of the Odd Couple okay. TV show. I haven't seen him in any movies that I remember, unless it was some time. Yeah, dark. I think like this is his big starring role, and then he had yeah. like the supporting part in Pillow Talk. He was Rock Hudson's oh, friend. Right. But then, other than that, I think he's basically just a TV actor. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so I like him a lot. I do too. Um, on on Odd Couple, and I liked him a lot in this one too. There's sometimes parts that seemed like a little odd, but. I mostly liked it. It was very, it was like a slightly less Faye and educated uh, um, Frazier's brother. Oh, Niles. Niles. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's very Niles. Very like Will from Will and Grace. Uh, Yeah. He, yeah, he has like a little bit of an effeminacy. uh, And I think like in the Rock Hudson movie, he's sort of cast specifically to like contrast against rock Hudson's supposed manliness. Right. And this as like a lead romantic role, it's interesting. Cause he does, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but he like can come across as a little gay. And I, I looked at like, he was not gay in real life. He was no. this, you know, he's married to the same woman for 60 years. Um, and then had a baby when he was 76 with a 26 year old. Oh, I didn't get to that part. <laughs> she, he was, he was with the same woman from, I think honestly the thirties or forties okay. until 1992 or whenever she died whole time and then she died his wife and then he married a 25 year old when he was 75 uh, a couple years later and then had two kids is that could that be a when he was 82 or something like that then a natural conception well i I don't know was viagra around then i don't know no i don't uh, i don't think so i don't don't think so because i think it was early can men in their 70s get boners i don't i just do not know this (laughs) i am not an expert on boners (laughs) we'll have to wait to find out (laughs) Um, I know you usually have many boner experts. <laughs> but. Uh, if anyone, yeah, throwing out there, if I have any older listeners that want to tell me, is it possible when you're that age to do it without <laughs> drugs? I do not know. Um, but yeah, he, it is like this, I guess like a contrasting style to like that 50s leading man that is yeah. so manly. And it makes sense that he would transition to television um, I imagine like for a lot of actors of his generation that probably wouldn't have gotten as many opportunities without television because he has a very like comfortable sort of TV personality. Yeah. And he's very good with like the rhythms of comedy, yes. which I think in TV you need to just be able to do more quickly than with the movie. You just yeah, don't yeah, yeah. have time to have his, you know, have rehearsal and stuff totally. to get into it. And so I think, yeah, that is better for him. Whereas at that point he like wasn't old enough to like, 
too much be he wasn't like a real dad type. He would just be a sidekick in anything else forever. For sure. If it wasn't the odd couple. Like um like Edward Everett Horton in those Fred Astaire movies in the 30s. Sure. Like this and he could have probably gotten yeah sidekick roles in in movies but television allowed him or like the bitchy boss or something. Totally. Well yeah, and it's funny like the the two older men that play like the bosses in this movie could have probably played Tony Randall's role, you know, when they were a little bit younger, yeah. but they all sort of were this like this bitchy, not quite manly. Uh, I mean, I guess urban elite would be the, the, yeah, the term that you would say now, but like these are men who work in an office who don't work with their hands. And I, I don't think that the movie was like skewering that because it was all in, in this world of advertising yeah, and it, I don't think it was skewering their masculinity as much, but it was definitely skewering like the total waste of time executive culture is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And just like advertising in general and then sure. television, which they have this whole. So, uh, yeah, maybe we should start at the beginning of the plot. But it's uh, it's interesting how how much this movie sort of is nasty about like the incoming um, threat of, of television yeah. in the 50s. Because uh, the movie starts very strangely in, in a pleasant way, I guess. Um, yeah. It's just a as the the title credits play, it's a series of of um, television commercials and and people selling products. They just show a bunch of different examples of that. Yeah, and they're all like going totally wrong. So yeah. whatever product they're talking about just is just you know destroys something as they're talking about it. It's, yeah, um, I mean, as someone who's like been on a lot of commercial auditions, I'm sure you have to. It, 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 it reminded me of like, oh, what a casting director must just like have to watch at the end of the day. Yeah, just a bunch yeah. of like garbage. <laughs> and that's and that's it. Yeah, for the whole credits because the all the credits are shown, which I always forget that. Yeah. there's no after credits in older films. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for this whole, it's just, I don't know, 10? They have a ton. Maybe like fake commercials? Yeah, like detergent, uh, weird food stuff. And it was like all, I mean, at that time, all these commercials were just a person with the product talking to camera, yeah. which I like. I like that style of advertising. I know, especially if you have it on like, well, the thing that I loved about this movie was it was so colorful. Yes. And it's in Cinemascope. It's not technical, I don't think, but... Just those bright colors of those movies I want so badly. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, it's just, it makes me so happy. I watched Funny, I'd never seen Funny Girl, mm. and I watched it just because it was on in the background somewhere, and I watched it just because the colors looked cool. That yeah. was the, my reason for watching it. Um, so I really miss these bright, bright colors. Yeah, occasionally they'll try to like do a, like a throwback homage, and it never, I feel like La La Land sort of tried to do that. Yeah, it's, it's really hard because uh, I think that too of like oh it'd be so fun to have a movie that's like clearly on a soundstage and like yeah. clearly you know all this fake stuff and a lot more low tech and then but whenever you see it it looks weird because it's just like we've just moved past it you know yeah and like the, the actors don't look like they're from the the period just right. if you just probably because you know their faces yeah, of course. um and then it's it's like almost a style that unless you're like into old movies or you're old yourself, you're not even really going to get the references. So like what True. what would even be the audience to like do an homage to, you know, a 50s advertising comedy? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, not a huge audience. No. But sometimes I'm like, we don't have to have so much like beige. realism. Oh, yeah, 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 so for just sure. Like lots of beiges and olive greens. And I just think every once in a while we could just pop it up with yeah. a touch. Yeah, th those things always go back and forth in fashion because, like, yeah, the, this 
period obviously was super colorful. In the 70s, you just had like beige. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, like comic book movies, I guess. But they aren't that Now colorful. they're not, a, yeah. They're very muted. Yeah. Because they're either dramatic. Well, like Tim Burton's Batman is the exception, I guess. And then the Joel Schumacher Batman is even more. Well, true. Yeah. That is colorful. And that's, I got what I wish for yeah. <laughs> on the monkey's paw because that is not what I want, nor what anyone wants. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of big and colorful. And then the rest of them switch to more of a realism, which then means, because I don't know, I mean, Captain America's wearing like almost an American flag on him and it, and it's, it's not, still, yeah, it's, it's not muted. colorful. It's and I think a lot of that is muted. like, everything is CGI now and there's yeah. not, there's not a lot of practical stuff. So I, yeah, it just looks, it doesn't look fun. Yeah. And it, you know, it's probably better for the world, uh, that it looks how it is. I'm I just guess. saying I I just want a little more color. No, in my I agree. Clothes. I agree. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll swing back around and and get it. Yeah. Um. So the plot of this yes, movie, sorry. yeah, no, no, it's like there's really not much to speak of. Uh, Tony Randall is like a junior copywriter at an advertising agency. He is um apparently like their their big client is about to leave them. It's a lipstick company. Um, and he and his boss are going to be fired. But then because the his niece that lives with him is like the president of the fan club of this this famous actress that Jane Mansfield plays she like comes into contact with her and yeah he gets the idea cuz it's called stay put lipstick yeah. and then her like tagline um Rita Marlowe's the character's yeah. name uh is like oh these kissable lips and so then he thinks oh my god if we could have Person talks about their kissable lips all the time. Feature my lipstick. That'd be great. Yeah. The um, niece snuck uh, onto Idlewild Airport, which right. I thought was fun. It's Forest JFK. Um, to meet her as she's coming into New York and like overheard where she's staying because she's in seclusion. So then he decides to go to her hotel room and get this deal. Yes. And so he goes to her hotel room while she's on the phone with her boyfriend played by Mickey Hargitay, who's like this, um, like Tarzan actor. And she's trying to make him jealous. And she's also with her personal assistant played by Joan Blondell, who's great. Um, and so because, and Tony Randall's in the hotel room. And so Jane Mansfield tries to make her boyfriend jealous by pretending that she's seeing this dude. Uh, but, because Tony Randall's just like this junior copywriter, he, um, she wants him to pretend that he is more important that than he is. So she says that he is the president of this advertising agency, and they're. She basically says that they're like sleeping together. Yeah, and then the Tarzan guy uh, to reporters talks uh, exposes uh, Rockwell uh, Hunter, Rockwell, who is yeah. the main character, uh, exposes his name in an interview, and then everybody goes crazy wanting to see the new boyfriend of Jane Mansfield's character and and then he gets super huge and successful and she'll agree to do the the ad if he continues to pretend to be her boyfriend. Yeah, and I guess it's like good for her career too to have this sort of new romance. Um and so she what does she call him? Lover doll? Lover doll. Lover right. doll. So he becomes lover doll to America. Uh, and it reminded me so much of last summer um, with Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande. Yeah, that's true. Like it's definitely yeah. like that. This this type of like crazy tabloid romance still definitely happens. Oh, for sure. Um, that part was definitely great. Like, yeah, or very. It's it's all stayed the same. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. Sure. Um, 
I don't know if Pete Davidson got mobbed in the streets, but maybe I he think did. he did. He yeah, did. I think he's still his uh, his clout is huge now because That's of true, because he dated her. Yeah, and now like and now women. I mean, and I don't want to say anything about his quote-unquote relationship with Margaret Qualley that's happening now. Right. But it's interesting that she happens to be sort of this it girl in the new Quentin Tarantino movie, and then all of a sudden she's dating Pete Davidson. I Let's yeah. just say I do not think this relationship will last past Oscars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, I can see I don't know if it's that. real or fake, but yeah, it's probably... Wait till he gets you know. a tattoo. Exactly. Yeah. And Oscars pop up and call it a day. Um, but yeah, like when these... I mean, Pete Davidson is a good looking guy, but yeah. sort of... Um, he's not like home. nothing special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a regular looking guy. But when you're dating like one of the hottest women in the world, yeah. uh, I think women... We'll just want to fuck you. I guess so. Because yeah. Kate Beckinsale then went out with him for yeah. a while. What is happening? Well, she had an Amazon uh, show to, to promote. Did she say that? <laughs> yeah. That my but mom like, watches. I'm not saying Kate Beckinsale can date anybody at yeah. any age. You are. No. I don't believe he is that no, no, intellectually no. interesting or whatever. Oh, yeah. That was literally like my show is. I just can't. Is premiering in a week. I need to drum up some wow. publicity. And because it. I mean, I don't think it was, they, they maybe slept together, but it was like they appeared they together. Were like kissing in public. Yeah, two um, or three times and then it was over. So that seemed like yeah. very, okay, wow, this is for publicity. Just like a rent boy for the I guess, but he's having fun girls. for sure. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Uh, so, so yeah, then it's like she sort of thinks that she actually has feelings for him and his fiance, um, is jealous that she doesn't look like Jane Mansfield. And he's, he never, there's never a moment where he's like, oh, I think I really am in love with her, which I thought it was sort of going to go. I thought so too. Cause he, yeah, you kind of get these little glimpses that maybe he's liking it and just wants to go along with it. But then he doesn't, he still wants to be with his fiance from before. Yeah. And then at one point, you know, is telling her, no, I, you know, I think you're beautiful just as you are and blah, blah, blah. And this is all fake. And, you know, she just, can't deal with it anymore and breaks off the engagement. Yeah. Like you'd think in a modern sort of rom-com version of this, you would have him sort of actually like fall in love with Jane Mansfield or, or think that he's in or love with her. Or at least like start to. Yeah. 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 And then come back. Uh, but this it never, cause it, it never, I mean, it never really treats Jane Mansfield's character as, I don't want to say it doesn't treat her as human, but like it doesn't treat her as like a, a real option for a regular man to, yeah, to be with. She's, she's always a cartoon like a character. Superior, like a statue. Yeah. You know, yeah. That ever, it, yeah. Or like it's just an impossible woman kind of, it's just impossible. Yeah. Her body, like her body is almost so, I want to say like bodacious. Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> yeah. You know? like yeah. She's, she is, she's just like has huge boobs and a tiny waist. She's just very beautiful. And, uh, and, shows off probably in a way that most girls wouldn't do in their daily life. For sure. Uh, so, so yeah. So people would just and think it, she's unattainable. And atta- yeah. It makes it seem like a, a regular man wouldn't be able to like conquer her. Sure. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. And, and so, and, but then it turns out that Jane Mansfield is still in love with her like first boyfriend from when she was younger who, they don't really, they give her his name, but there's a, a surprise cameo at the end that we'll, yeah, 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 we'll yeah. save for the end. Uh, and then, yeah, and then the poor fiance, she's trying to like, you know, wear a push-up bra or like, you know, do push-ups. The, there's like a doctor character who's like a women 
women push-ups don't do anything just tell them to go to the store yeah <laughs> that was maybe the most sexist actually, one. well yeah. but you know what it is true yeah. push-ups won't make your boobs bigger so if that's what you want that's just true. get some falsies good advice that's, from will success spoil rock hunter that, that is a fact uh, so yeah, then at the end, you know, he realizes he actually, after all the success, so he and basically he becomes, becomes this advertising star. Of the yeah. advertising agency. Uh, because of this one deal. Yeah. It's weird that he, yeah, he becomes this huge advertising star. Um, he gets the executive office. He gets to use the executive bathroom, which is sort of a big deal. Uh, and then the poor guy that, that runs the ad agency, who's the son of the founder, he, decides that he would rather be a horticulturist and 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 um raise roses for a yeah, living and so he leaves dream. the business which is nice uh but then at the end rock hunter realizes no he wants to be with jenny who's his fiance and leave advertising and so they end up moving out of town and like raising chickens raising chickens yeah and it's done in front of a like sparkly velvet curtain like like in the Muppet show almost yeah. like it's very TV looking totally because uh, they are just I mean, that's like it's a you know, there's a little fence and some chickens and they're in like cartoonish farmer gear, but in front of just a curtain and then all the characters are out there and they give a little bit more about what happened to them. And then it's like, goodbye, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of the movie. It was so weird. And there's so many Hollywood movies or about well, this is takes place in New York, but like sort of about the creative class of people who would be happier if they left that life. Yes. But you know, like the people making this movie would never actually do that. Like there, there might be a fantasy of like, Oh, yeah. I want to leave LA or leave New York. But you know that if you're, I don't know, like that, that doesn't happen very often or you, or if it does, you, you would feel like a failure. Maybe I'm just projecting my own. Yeah. But well, I mean, I think maybe for people that get super successful and have all the money they could ever want. Oh, that's true. I think some of them maybe choose to then like, Go, you know, yes, get away yes, yes. from it all. But other than that, it's like, oh, I did really great. I used to make a lot of money. Not enough to live off, though. And, oh, farming is tough. <laughs> yeah. Actually, like, it's actually uh, very hard work. Yeah, you can't. There was like that time in Brooklyn, I feel like, when we <laughs> lived there, that like everyone just sort of wanted to be a farmer and thought it was going to be like the easiest job. There was like a, a boom in sort boom of small of farm. farming, but then yeah. they all failed. And, of course and they did. The yeah. It's the hardest fucking job in the world. Real farms aren't successful no. without government yeah. <laughs> intervention. Like it's so hard. It's, a, what do you think? It's crazy. How yeah. many eggs can a chicken lay? Enough Not for enough. you to eat. If yeah. You want that, so have one great. chicken. Have one chicken eat those eggs. I would love a chicken. I would not. No, I guess it would be bad. I did in Glendale just yesterday. So three chickens were like literally crossing the road. Really? On just a like kind of a big street. It's like I don't I don't know what's happening. Oh in life. man, <laughs> with the drivers in Glendale, those chickens oh, yeah, won't last too long. They, they, I'm sure they're dead. Now <laughs> in uh, so oh, I want to talk about one more the the yeah. sort of weirdest part of the movie. Like it is it is sort of this meta comedy. Like they'll break the fourth wall a lot, mm -hmm. which I thought. Uh, was interesting for a movie from this time period. I wouldn't expect it to be so sort of knowing about the form yeah. of comedy. But the the biggest moment of that was in the middle, sort of right in the middle. Yeah. He's like, okay, now it's intermission. Uh, and then he just sort of does this monologue about how shitty TV is. Yeah, because he's like, oh, I'm sure all you TV watchers, you know, can't 
hardly stand watching something without a break in the middle to ruin the flow of everything. So here's one right now. And then, yeah, then just talks about just makes fun of TV. Yeah, they, for, they, for a few they like the screen shrinks and you see just like this little black and white square in the middle of the scene. That's like how, you know, a TV would. Add. And then it gets like blurry and. Uh, it, it was funny, like in a time where, I mean, this is already 57, so TV's been around for a while, yeah. but I guess it was really, but still, I do feel like it was still a little, a little newer to be, uh, on mass that yeah, yeah, really yeah. Oh, now everybody's starting to have, a, have a TV. Yeah. And it was probably right when Hollywood was starting to feel that, that like yeah. uh, people weren't going to the movies. Uh, and I guess this, like this movie seemed sort of like an attempt to to lure in some younger, because it seemed like it was trying to be a little hip. There were yeah. these teenage characters, Jay Mansfield. It, it was sort of like a major studio's attempt to like court maybe an audience that would normally just, just be watching TV at night. Yeah, or what they assumed. What they assumed, yeah. People were just watching It TV. probably was seemed pretty square at the time, too. But I thought it was like, it was funny and like yeah. hipper than I would have expected for a 1957 yeah, comedy. I didn't mind it. And then there's also like a random song Almost towards the end. Oh yeah, they they go to like a Caribbean nightclub. Oh, they go to Caribbean nightclub yeah. and then they're all dancing terribly. And what I did think was funny is Tony Randall's like purposely dancing badly. But then even when it's it, it's like the boss and Joan Blondell and uh, Jane Mansfield, they're also just dancing like shit. But they look like that's actually how they dance. They're just yeah. horrible at it, which I enjoyed. And then there's another one after he becomes the executive and it's some like song where just off camera, like a choir of voices is just singing like, you made it or something like that. And he kind of dances around his office. Right, right, right. That's funny. Uh, And then, oh, and then um, Jane Mansfield, Rita Marlowe reconnects with her first love who is played by an elderly Groucho Marx. Yep, Groucho Marx. And he has his famous cigar and leers at Jane Mansfield. And then I guess they go off into the sunset, too. Yeah, and, then guess, yeah, they're uh, now and, and the only one left alone at the end is poor Joan Blondell. But I think she got oh, with, she, the, with the boss. That's the right, boss. right, right. Yeah. Um, who has literally like the weakest chin I've ever seen in my life. It's like it's almost like a deformity. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has literally yeah. or it's like um. Who's the no, the nosy neighbor on Bewitch? Gladys Kravitz. Yeah, he's like Gladys Kravitz. He chin. does look exactly like you'd think a a nosy disgruntled neighbor in a sixty sitcom would look. Yeah, or uh, a drunk on the Twilight Zone. Like oh my that's, God, those yeah. are. Uh, he was made made for those roles. For and he sure. played a million things just doing character. Oh, I bet I bet I've seen stuff. him a million times before. Uh, and Joan Bladell, another she's a, yeah. a great example of. Someone from the classic age of Hollywood. She was in a bunch of like pre-code comedies and movies, sort of playing usually like the best friend of the main girl, uh-huh. um, sort of brassy, sassy. But she had a really consistent career, like definitely more so than the women who were like the leads in those 30s movies. Yeah, I read that she did 50 movies before 1939. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I mean, they just worked you back Because she was in then. Sil- started in Silent Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she, you know, this, she was already, you know, probably in her fifties when this came out. Something like that. And then Greece, that was like one of her last, she was the waitress in in Greece. Uh, so she, I mean, she succeeded in her dream. Yeah, I mean, I think she maybe had some downtime in the sixties, but like she still was in, I don't know, but maybe not. I mean, she, she worked the whole time. Yeah. I think if you're like, especially if you're an actress, like being a character actress, the friend of the main girl, you're going to have probably a longer career than, than depending like if you're, you know, than Jane Mansfield, for instance, whose career is completely dependent on her supposed sex appeal. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, be the best friend, ladies. <laughs> uh, cool. So Anything did else? Did you read about the um, the play or, or any of the backstory of the movie? Oh, no, not much. What did you So learn? this was written by the guy who did the seven-year itch, and then he also went on to write um, the... Um, a couple other things I'll say later. Oh, Breakfast and Tiffany's and Manchurian Candidate. Oh, wow. Um, so Seven Year Itch was a play first, and it was a huge success, and he became a like sensation because of it, the uh, the, pl- the playwright, George Axelrod. And so he so it was massive, and then they bought the rights to it and made the movie, and they had to take out a lot of sexual stuff because of the code. And apparently in Seven Year Itch in the play, he does actually sleep with the Marilyn Monroe okay. character. Yeah, that movie is... It's so I enjoy watching it, but mm-hmm. it is so vague. Just like the de- yeah. like the characters are vague and the plot, and yeah, it feels like they must have had to take a lot out yeah. if this play was such a huge hit. And it was rewritten a lot by um, Billy Wilder, and so the playwright George was not happy about it. And he was all I read that he was scared that uh, he's scared to write another play because he you know if it flopped he'd just be like a failure after yeah. being such a huge success. But because he hated seven, uh, the seven year itch so much, he decided to write like a reaction to it. So the play version of this movie, um, will success spoil rock hunter is a thousand percent different. So the only thing that's the same is Jane Mansfield is in it and her name was Rita Marlowe, but that one is about two playwrights. Uh, one is had a big hit and gets offered a contract by this like skeezy agent who turns out to be the devil but he's like no thanks i'll be fine but this other writer's like i'll take your deal and so then and they're like yeah it's just 10 percent of your soul <laughs> and then but as each thing he wants the devil gets another 10 percent. and uh gene mansfield is still the same character pretty much and she because then at one point the guy like wants to be in love with her so the devil lets her fall in love um and that kind of stuff and then, um, and then after that, yeah, eventually whatever, it goes wrong. And then the, the playwright that rejected the offer says, you know what? I'll take your deal. I'll take it instead. I'll take it instead of the other offer. Huh. I'll take your devil deal. That was like, great. He's like, guess what? You'll never get my soul because I don't need anything else. And I'm already happy. And they like both walk away. <laughs> and, but there's no chicken farm in the play version. I don't. Believe so, but it's like a version of Faust. Yeah, that's and so weird how different it, like, yeah. he must have been even more pissed off about this one than Seven Year Itch. And so the, so the Jane Mansfield character is purposely like the Marilyn Monroe okay. character from Seven Year Itch. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. like purposely inspired by that. But yeah, I just thought it was really funny that it was, he was mad about Seven Year Itch, wrote this play. And then in the play, Rock Hunter is not a character. That's just the title of an article he writes because wow. they wanted to call it, well, Successful Rock Hudson, but they threatened to sue. So they changed it. And that's just like an article the one, the one of the authors writes. Weird. That kind of gets him started. But I guess like the play was so popular, they thought just having the name of yeah, it would get people to. Like and having Jane, Jane Mansfield. Mansfield yeah. and it was popular, yeah. so. Great. And they wanted to do like a satire of the advertising world. Even though that the original story seemed. Like it would, I mean, sort of like uh, Damn Yankees or any, there's a lot of like yeah, devil movies back then. Yeah, the original one was, was more focused on like essentially how shitty and evil Hollywood is and how they will literally take your soul. Mm-hmm. And the only way is to like stick to your own art pretty oh. much. Like that's more of the theme. 
Uh, so I guess I can understand that they don't want this agent to be the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But how, <laughs> how ironic is it that is. he wrote this whole play about his bad experience with Hollywood, and then when Hollywood gets the rights to this one, they just change all Changed of it. Li- I mean, a million times more things than Seven Year Itch. Oh, uh, the life of a writer. What a happy path we've chosen. Yeah, but after that, he wrote Breakfast and Tiffany's and Manchurian Candidate. I know I said that, but. Yeah, those Super were all successful. huge hits. So, and maybe those I know. Uh, well, Breakfast at Tiffany's was obviously a Truman Capote book, so he adapted yeah. that one. But uh, yeah, I don't know if Manchurian Candidate is adapted from. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, I don't know. It's a great movie. Uh, well, let's read a little bit about yes. what Mr. Paul Rowan thinks about will success spoil rock hunter so if this is the first episode of high camp you're listening to just know that i stole the name of my podcast from a series of gay film guides written in the 90s uh by a librarian from duluth minnesota named paul rowan and yeah he wrote reviews of all 406 movies and i'm gonna read a little bit of this one he says will success spoil rock hunter starts out as a spoof of madison avenue In its evocation of 50s consumer mindlessness, it seems less like a 1957 movie release and more like a 1957 issue of Mad Magazine. But that's cool. I was a big fan of Mad in 1957, and this film is like taking a walking tour of my own childhood world. The plot is simple to a fault. Rock Rock Hunter, Tony Randall, a writer of TV commercials, wants screen star Rita Marlowe, Jane Mansfield, to endorse Stay Put Lipstick, his major account. Mansfield's presence guarantees a bumper crop of bosom jokes. This is the film in which she squeals with delight when someone declares her the titular head of a production company. In one scene, a movie theater has a life-size cardboard cutout of Rita Marlowe out front on the sidewalk. Someone bumps into it and knocks it face forward, but it pops right back up again, as if it had landed on something bouncy. I think I even heard it go, boing. So... Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's what it is. It's funny, like these reviews, sometimes he's like so opinionated about like, oh, I love this movie, I'm obsessed with it, or like, this is the biggest fucking piece of shit. And then some of them like this are just like a synopsis of the plot and yeah. you don't even get a real feeling like, of like what he thinks a, about him. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, which, you know. <laughs> that's kind of all it engenders. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not bad. It's not a classic. No, I mean, I guess it's sort of like for Jane, like Jane Mansfield had so few, I guess, big performances. Uh, But yeah, it's not, it doesn't really go hard on anything. Yeah. And like compared to Seven Year Itch even, it's like, it's not as good. And, and it also kind of reminds me of how to succeed in business without really trying. Totally, totally. Also holds up a lot. Just more, it's just like a more cohesive movie. For sure. Yeah, this one, you feel like it should have gone darker. And I guess like what you were saying about the original, the source material, it did. Uh, but this, yeah, this was like just a, a pleasant afternoon at home, which you can rent for three ninety nine on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, so Amber, if yes. we were to write a third volume of High Camp uh, and you could nominate a movie to add to the list, what would it be? So do you mind if I mention two things? No, of course. So these are both these are both released before these books mm. came out, but they're not in there. So one of them is The Apple, which is a musical, a sci-fi musical set in the future of 1994. It was made in 1980. And it's a musical about an evil music corporation that also is like trying to take the soul of this artist. And it's horrible, but it's horrible in such a... It's just such a like beautiful way. Yeah, I did. I have seen it. I think uh, my husband, John, was a big fan of it. So he showed it to me yeah. a year or two ago. 
Uh, it is bonkers. It's so, the ending makes no sense. It's, it's so great. And it really sustains because a lot of bad movies have pieces where you start to feel it. And I think this one moves and keeps building and growing. And you are consistently surprised, which you think at a point you're like, well, enough craziness has already happened. Uh, but nope, there's there's always more. Yeah, there's no there's no real downtime. And it also is like, I mean, it's not good, but like a but satire of the, of the, the music industry. Like they have yeah. all that stuff about, I think, like record deals and... Yeah, because it's about record deals, yeah. but then also the music companies like in control of the government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enforces a mandatory BIM hour, the name of their company, where everyone right. has to dance for an hour, which is a great idea, quite frankly. Um, government enforced dance... I'm for, and there's just all kinds of crazy stuff, but the music is good enough that it's fun to listen to, but some of the lyrics are so terrible. I mean, everyone involved with this movie must've been just completely yacked out on blow. Like the whole, like at least. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, Nigel Lithgow from, from, Oh yeah. Uh, not American, save the last dance uh, from the dance competition show. Oh, that was the uh, American. I would say, uh, so you think you so can you dance. Think you yeah. can dance. He was the choreographer, okay. which I wish every interviewer would just ask him about the app. For sure. Um, so that's one. And then the other ones that I actually think are a big miss are all the, or most, I think all the carry on films from England. Have you seen those? No. Have you seen those or heard of them? So it's, um, uh, they've had like 31 films, wow. I think. And it started in 1958 or something like that and went to the late 70s. And they had one more in like 1992. So they're very, dumb films they all are carry on something so it's like carry on sergeant carry on nurse i've seen carry on camping where they all go camping um and like the sexual politics are are a problem because it is mostly just like people leering at hot girls or trying to get them to sleep with them and there's always like the one hot girl the two kind of funny little older dudes and then there's always kenneth williams who was like you know kind of just like the essence of camp in the British sense okay. where you are, he's not an outwardly gay character. He doesn't say he's gay or have gay relationships, but he is clearly gay. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Very gay performance. It's very over the top. So he's always like the matron, the old woman's, Oh, she's oh trying to sleep with him and he can't possibly be bothered with her. And it's, it's just like super silly. So I've only seen carry on camping again. It's not a good movie but there are some parts that i do think are actually kind of funny is it like a fi- interesting physical co- like a benny hill type of style a or a little bit okay a little bit it's like lots of just like body sure 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 body double entendres lots of that kind of stuff that sounds fun do you know um, if like all the movies it's like the same characters or they're just sort of a series with different i'm not quite sure if they're, it's usually the same for most of it, it's the same kind of principal cast. Got it. And I think it's more that they play just the same character types in each one. Um, but Kenneth Williams, for sure, I think should be in this book because it is like it's an interesting look at gay performance. And especially when it started, like being gay was illegal and people yeah. loved Kenneth Williams in wow. these movies, you know. So in, in England, it was illegal. So uh so yeah, I think those for sure. Yeah. Um, 
it's funny, like the more episodes I do of this podcast, the more I realize how many blind spots this guy has. And like I sort of when I first got these books years ago and I, you know, just looked through them, I sort of figured, oh, this is a, a pretty comprehensive look at camp movies pre, you know, the 90s. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, no, this guy, you know, like everyone, it's a product of his very specific taste yeah. and his experience. And so, like, it's nice to to, to have all of these um additional movies added to the the high camp canon yeah and it's just funny because it's just a it's i think they i read it was the longest running british t- movie franchise in wow. history so and like nobody knows about yeah it. where did you <laughs> first hear about them i watch all kinds of random crap you know so it's like some documentary about so i'll like watch on youtube random bbc oh. documentaries a lot so at some point i heard about kenneth williams oh and then even just stuff like old ricky gervais podcasts i know <laughs> they just mentioned some of the carry-on movies yeah and i looked it up and then at one point we watched it another not campy movie is michael sheen played kenneth williams in like a biopic just for bbc huh. and bbc television you can watch online and it's really good. Oh, you need to see Kenneth Williams first. Yeah. Because he's like so over the top at points. You might watch that movie and be like, what's wrong with you? But if you see the real thing and then see Michael Sheen do it, you can see it's. Yeah. Great. Michael Sheen definitely likes to chew the scenery. Uh, sure. Yes. He was on the latest season of The Good Fight um, oh. with Christine Brandt. It's like The Good Wife spinoff. Yeah. And I love that show. And they always have sort of goofy, sort of over the top characters. But he was too much for me. He can be. I th- I really like him. I think I appreciate people that are kind of over the yeah, top yeah, yeah. sometimes. But I do get it, especially on a TV show like that. Yeah, it just might... seemed weird for the tone of the show. But yeah. I imagine he'd be amazing. If as you want to look Kenneth up a Williams. real over the top moment, look up Michael Sheen's laughter when he sees the baby in the last Twilight movie. Oh, they okay. show the baby of. The main characters, and he has the weirdest. La- it is such a weird reaction. Oh, weird! And it makes me so happy. And I thought for sure he was just like dicking around. They put it in, and in an interview, he was like, "Well, I'm a vampire, and I've been around for so many hundreds of years, and finally I saw something I'd never seen before. So I was didn't know what to think. I was like, what? Oh my god, you put so much effort into this yeah. Twilight performance. That's I'm very impressed. Crazy. And he's another uh, ex of Kate Beckinsale. Oh. Yeah, he was, they were together that. for a long time. Were they together after she was with the guy that did all those vampire movies? The director? I, I want to say before. Oh, okay. Pro- probably was. I think She's it was like, it was time. when she was a pretty famous person and he wasn't as famous. Oh. I believe. Yeah, it was, I think she like might have left him for the underworld guy yeah. but i'm don't quote me on that that seems too fitted yeah, yeah, yeah. correctly uh cool well yeah I, I bet those movies and that kenneth williams is like such such a bigger cultural imprint in britain it's yeah. one of those things that just like did not travel over here yeah it's this, and like then he also did television stuff and radio stuff mm. and it's and it's just in a time period where we just weren't getting yeah yeah british things that much you know because like it went essentially up to just the 70s and by then we had it was like a pain for anybody to see Monty Python. Yeah. And that was like it. And British humor got. has like, a, I feel like a bigger history of like camp, like gay characters. Yeah. Um, and like, I always think of Ari being served yeah, and Mr. Yeah. Humphreys on that show. Like mm-hmm. there were, it was, it was so stupid. And so like over the top, but you, I don't, I don't think you would get like as broad of like a camp character on an equivalent, like seventies American. Sitcom. No, I don't think so. 
it's like the closest thing is like Hollywood from Mannequin. Or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. But hmm. yeah, cool. Uh, well, that about brings us to a close. Amber Petty, thank you so much for being here. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug? Anything sure. you have coming up? You can. Um, so I'm going to start. Uh, or we've just started a new podcast with Ashley Ward, who's a very lovely person. And uh, so we're going to be, so I'm a person that thinks of a lot of things I want to do and then worries about it and then doesn't do them and then worries about how I'm not doing anything. That's just the cycle of my life. So in this podcast, both Ashley and I will just first give a list of some of the things we might want to do. And then each week we just commit to doing one of them at a time. If it's something huge, we break it down. And then the next week we talk about what was good about it, bad about it, if it, you know, was fun, bad, whatever. And that's it. And so that'll be called um, Aiming for Average. And you can probably find it on iTunes. And or you can just go to Amber and Petty at on Instagram and I'll have stuff there. That sounds like a genius idea. I can't oh, wait to listen to that. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm like that too. too. I've, and so, I think a lot of I don't I've I, so many big plans. I don't think I'm. Yeah, no, no, totally. I don't think I. Oh, I'm so special. <laughs> I worry. Uh, no, that'll be very relatable. Um, and then, are you are you doing a new season of the Masked Singer podcast? I'll have to see. I I don't know. I think Tim Murray was my my host. He grew tired of it mm. almost immediately. He still showed up and did a great job. It's not his fault. Also, the Masked Singer got progressively worse. But I'm sure I will. I'll probably do Instagram stories or something oh, cool, about cool, it because cool. I know that first couple episodes I will love again. Yeah, it's crazy. I loved the first season. I thought it was so fun and stupid, and I loved your podcast about oh, it. So yeah. I, yeah, I. Uh, it is the dumbest show, but and it was. I know it was so fun to just like guess the people. I don't it's know. It's fun to guess the people. And so the problem was everybody guessed online, and that took it down. Yeah, and they made the performances less crazy. Well, it was too easy. They need to make it harder. They need to make it harder. But these costumes look nuts. Yeah. There's like a creepy skeleton, a flamingo. It looks great. And I, I hate Jenny McCarthy so much, but it's one of those <laughs> I, lo- I love to hate her. Um, well, she's she's like, a horrible person. She's done actual damage yes. to the world. She's literally killed children. She's. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, she has had a hand in a myth that yes. led children to die. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, I would, I know, and it's Robin Thicke. What is such a... Oh, he's horrible. Like, all the hosts are disgusting. I, I don't like Ken okay. Jong. I, I think he's not disgusting. No, he's it's not like, disgusting. He's just, like, not my cup of tea. Not your cup of tea. That's, that's totally um, fair. Uh, oh, and oh, I do... Yeah, and, and, oh, my God. Who's the other one? Uh, no, the host. Oh, uh, Nick Cannon. Nick he's, Cannon. like, a, another, like, just sort of goofy dude. He also said some... Oh, did not he? Great. I, well, I should look it up. <laughs> I should make sure. I don't know. He's just good. You're he's all fine. canceled. Canceled. No, he's fine. He was married to Mariah Carey, yeah, so I'm obviously going to be like completely fascinated with him. Oh, as sure. As someone who has whatever stories he has. The, uh, a mil- I mean, I can't imagine there's a normal second of Mariah Carey's life. No. And she it- lives in... She, yeah, she listened to fantasy, dive, dived into it, yeah. and lives there now. Genius. She's a genius she's performance great. artist. I am. She's wonderful. Yeah. She's incredibly <laughs> talented, and I don't care what crappy audio you post of her from an outdoor performance in oh, the no. middle of winter. She's talented beyond any of us. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, cool. So, what what is it called? Uh, your your new oh, podcast? No, it's got aiming for <laughs> aiming average. for average. Find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you can find podcasts. Right, correct. Uh, if you like High Camp, please go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. Give us a nice review. It'll help 
people find the podcast. Rate us five stars. You can follow us on Instagram at High Camp Pod and also on Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ruckerbry. Uh, listen to my other podcast called Coop Yourself. And I'll see you next week. Bye.